We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Good evening and welcome to all of our listeners, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen, and for the next two hours, we are here to answer your open, honest Bible questions. You can start dialing right now. The toll-free number is one la talks one 528 Once again, that's one la talks one 528 2557. Now, if you heard something in church today, if you heard something in a Bible study, if you had any discussions, say with Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, atheists, Muslims, worth faith uh, uh, teachers, um, whomever that you have a question about, give us a call. It's toll free, it's on our dime, doesn't cost you anything. 1 888 LA Talks, 1 888 how about this one? What if you were just reading your Bible? How about that? And you had a question. This is the program to give us a call. one la talks one 528 Like I said, it is on a dime, so don't hesitate. You know, the professor used to always say the dumbest questions are the ones that are never asked. So if you do have a question, uh, this is the platform to give us a call. Uh, on one triple eight LA Talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven, I do want to introduce um, my good friend. Uh, he is uh, joining us this evening, and I do want to say he is part of our radio team. Uh, it's Dr. Robert Bowman Jr. Dr. Bowman, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Nice to be with you. Well, we're glad you're on again, and uh, thank you for filling in, and thank you for staying up as well. Um, uh, you know, Dr. Bowman, before we get started uh, with the radio broadcast, uh, why don't you kind of give our listening audience just a little bit of your background? I mean, you've authored some phenomenal books. Uh, you've, uh, you, 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 you have a website that just has a plethora of information uh, dealing with uh, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, just a little bit of your background, and, uh, and that would be great. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, Craig Hawkins, who's, uh, the, uh, of course, the, the usual uh, uh, guy there, and I uh, have a history going back, uh, gee, I guess uh, close to 30 years now, because we both used to work at the same organization, uh, the Christian Research Institute, way back in, in the day, and uh, uh, Walter, when Walter Martin was still alive. And so we've known each other for that long. And uh, since then, I've gone on to uh, teach and uh, and be part of various uh, ministries. Uh, where I've been the last nine years is the Institute for Religious Research, 
we're based in Michigan, and that's where I'm. Uh, <laughs> that's where I am right now. So it's uh, it's after one o'clock in the morning here. Uh, but uh, the Institute for Religious Research uh, is a, a ministry that uh, defends the faith, that gives answers to questions, uh, and particularly focuses on Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, our organization has uh, had uh, particularly strong uh, outreach and influence in uh, reaching Mormons for the last, well, longer than I've been with your organization, uh, again, around 30 years. Uh, so that's where I'm uh, serving. I've, I'm the executive director there. We have a website. It's IRR.org. That's IRR.org. And I also have a blog. In fact, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to announce this uh, for the first time on our uh, this program here because um, it's a new uh, blog, and it's robertbowman.net. Uh, Robert Bowman, and Bowman is B-O-W-M-A-N, uh, robertbowman.net, and uh, that is uh, that is where I'm uh, blogging now on various topics, uh, such as the kinds of discussions uh, that we will be having uh, tonight. Very good. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Bowman. And uh, again, you know, we talk about this um, uh, I've talked about this website a lot. I, I mention almost every week for uh, for, for our listening audience to go to, and uh, you can get to it from our website as well. A lot of, lot of great information on there. Now, one thing we definitely want to do uh, tonight, we're going to do something a little different. We are going to take your Bible questions, and I know for the last two or three weeks, I mean, the, the phone lines have been flooded, and that's a good thing. Um, but we're going to do a little teaching tonight. You know, we do this from time to time. We'll take about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and we'll do some teaching, okay? It's it's normally, it's not the norm, but we will do it from time to time. And um, tonight, um, we're going to start off the show, and uh, we're going to have Dr. Bowman. We're going to talk about, um, and, and I would, I would again, take your pen and, and paper out and, and, and write notes. And you can always go back to the, to the, um, to the website and listen to the uh, archive broadcast. But we're going to talk about uh, four of the main unorthodox views of Jesus. Okay, and I'm going to let Dr. Bowman explain uh, those four to you. But, you know, we've talked about in the past, when you talk to people, uh, no matter who it is, and they talk about Jesus, uh, you know, you normally have to take one step further, go one question further, because uh, Jesus is a lot of things to a lot of different people. And a lot of times it's not Jesus of the Bible. You talk to Mormons and you ask them if they believe in Jesus. Yes, they do. But is that the Jesus of the Bible? Jehovah Witnesses, yes, we love Jesus and we believe in Jesus. Is that the uh, Jesus of the Bible? I uh, talked to someone, uh, one is Pentecostal, same thing. So tonight we're going to take about 30 minutes or so and Pastor Rob is going to talk about uh, four of the main unorthodox views of who Jesus is, okay? Because uh, if you got the wrong Jesus, um, you know you're, uh, you know, you really got to look at your salvation because uh, if you're believing in the wrong Jesus, you you got some problems. And uh, we want to be able to talk to people uh, who do have the wrong Jesus and uh, and let them know who the right Jesus is. So, Dr. Bowman, with that being said, I'm going to turn, uh, turn it over to you and let you share with our listening audience 
uh, these four different viewpoints on uh, on uh, the unorthodox views of Jesus? Well, uh, terrific. Uh, I think this is very uh, important subject, obviously, for and I'm sure most people who are listening already recognize that it's very important to understand who Jesus is. After all, uh, Jesus himself made an issue of it. Uh, famously, Jesus once asked his disciples, uh, who do people say that I am? And uh, then they gave various answers. Well, some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead, and some say you're one of the prophets, and so forth. And then Jesus asked uh, his disciples, who do you say that I am? And so that question is an important one. Jesus himself asked it. Uh, what people think about Jesus is obviously uh, of central importance in defining what it means to be a Christian. What do we, how do we view Jesus Christ and and uh, the way we view Jesus Christ affects everything in our uh, Christian life. And, of course, one way that it affects it, and we'll talk a little bit about this, is, is how we read the Bible. What, you know, when we see the Bible talking about Jesus, what are we doing with the Bible as we're reading that, and, and how do we understand what, what it says about Christ? So you've already mentioned three of the, the four uh, uh, types of uh, religious belief that I want to, I, uh, I you know, identify here and get us to to uh, understand what they're saying about Jesus. You mentioned the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Oneness Pentecostals, uh, and those are three of the four that I want to talk about in in, in compare with uh, the uh, biblical uh, view of Jesus that. Uh, Christians historically, for the last 2,000 years, have have uh, advanced and, and defended from the Bible, and that would be the view associated with the, the Orthodox doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, the fourth view, besides the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Oneness Pentecostals, uh, is the view held by Unitarians. And uh, here we're, we're not referring, by the way, to the so-called Unitarian Universalist Association, which has a history that goes back to what was called Unitarianism, uh, but really doesn't even accept uh, what they believed. <laughs> uh, but rather, we're talking about a particular theology, which claims to believe in Jesus, uh, claims to believe in the Jesus of the Bible, but again, has its own interesting uh, take on what that means. So... Let me actually start with the Unitarians, because their view is in some ways the easiest to understand. It's also uh, perhaps uh, not as familiar uh, to many of our listeners as, as these other views that we mentioned. Unitarians, uh, the word Unitarian means belief in one, uh, and it's uni, unity one, and Unitarians believe that God is one person, uh, the person that we would call the Father, and that's it. Uh, there are no other divine beings uh, with whom we need to be concerned at all, uh, there are, because uh, the Father is the only uh, person who is God. Jesus, in Unitarian thinking, is a man, uh, nothing more. He's a great man. He's the greatest of all men, but he's uh, nothing other than a man. Uh, he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven. So those things they, they accept, but then they 
maintained that the person that did this was simply a perfect human being. Uh, so he's a unique human being, but he's nothing other than a human being. Uh, in heaven, uh, he has a kind of honorary status as God's man, as God's human representative. Uh, so he's in a very exalted position as a human being, but uh, in terms of his nature, uh, what kind of being he is, uh, he is human, and that's it. Uh, now, this view uh, has been enjoying some resurgence recently. Uh, the people that hold this view often call themselves biblical Unitarians, and again, they're emphasizing with that term that uh, unlike the Unitarian Universalist Association, a biblical Unitarians see their belief as biblical. Uh, they, they think they can support it from Scripture. Uh, now, there was a, an ancient uh, heresy, an ancient uh, doctrine in the early church, not in the New Testament period, but afterward, uh, that is similar to Unitarianism. And uh, historians refer to this movement as adoptionism, uh, it's called adoptionism because the idea was that God, as it were, adopted this man, Jesus, as his son. So that's, that's Unitarianism. And the other views that you, you know, many of our listeners already know about, Jehovah's Witnesses, believe that Jesus is God's first uh, created being. Before God made anything else, before God made the world, <clears throat> according to Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Jehovah God made Jesus, who was then known as Michael the Archangel. So Michael the Archangel is Jesus Christ, according to Jehovah's Witness theology. Uh, <clears throat> so what kind of being is Jesus? According to Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Jesus is an angel. He's the greatest of all angels, but he's, uh, he's an angel. Uh, Mormonism uh, has perhaps the most complicated view uh, that we could talk about here. Mormons believe that uh, Jesus, uh, Lucifer, uh, all of the angels, uh, all human beings, uh, we're all spirit brothers and sisters. And we're all the spirit offspring, the spirit sons and daughters of God the Father and of Heavenly Mother. Uh, Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother are our heavenly parents, and we were their spirit children in a pre-existent period, however many, you know, thousands or whatever years ago. And then we, uh, uh, those of us who are living on the earth or have lived on the earth, were sent here as mortals. And Jesus was one of those. But Jesus had already become a god in the pre-existence, and so he was one of uh, several gods, and Mormons view Jesus as the Holy Ghost and the Father as the three gods that run our world or rule our world. They, that's what they think the Godhead is, is a group of three gods. Um, and then finally, one is Pentecostals. One is Pentecostals uh, uh, believe that Jesus is the Father. Uh, he is God the Father, or more precisely, he is the Father's human manifestation. Uh, there is no Son and Holy Spirit who are persons distinct from the Father. The Son, 
Jesus Christ isn't someone different from a different person than God the Father. Rather, Jesus Christ is the Father's human uh, revelation or human manifestation. So, in effect, the Father is the one that came into the world uh, and died on the cross. The ancient uh, church had a heresy similar to this uh, that was sometimes uh, called patripassianism. Uh, patripassianism is a long-looking word, but it basically means that the Father suffered. So all these views have ancient counterparts uh, uh, of one kind or another, uh, some more closely resembling the modern group. One is Pentecostals, very similar to the Monarchians or Patripassianists. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, very similar to the 4th century movement called Arianism. Uh, Unitarians, very similar to Adoptionism. And Mormons, that's the one that's hard to draw any comparison to ancient heresies. It's very similar in some ways to Gnosticism, but in other ways very much not like Gnosticism. But if we had to pick an ancient movement, I guess we'd have to say it was closest to Gnosticism. But uh, I wouldn't call it a Gnostic group. It's just very similar. So those are the four the four movements. And, and those compare with or contrast with the traditional and orthodox Christian position uh, that you find in the doctrine of the Trinity, which maintains that Jesus is not the Father, as the one as Pentecostals teach, uh, but God the Son, eternal deity, distinct from the Father, and yet one God with the Father. So that distinguishes the doctrine, the triune uh, doctrine of Trinitarian doctrine of Christ as the second person of the Trinity, one God with the Father from these other four groups. So that's, that's a, a, a quick thumbnail sketch of these four, uh, the four doctrines and then how they compare with Trinitarianism. A couple of interesting points, Brian, if I could make these. Uh, think yeah, by all means. Find this helpful. Uh, because so many people think, oh, the doctrine of the Trinity, it, it's all by itself as this really strange uh, doctrine that, you know, doesn't uh, <clears throat> doesn't add up. But everything that the doctrine of the Trinity affirms uh, about Jesus Christ is affirmed in one way or another by some of these non-Trinitarian heresies, uh, but not by others. So I'll give you a couple examples. Unitarians, one of Pentecostals and, and uh, Trinitarians all agree that there's only one God. So that's something that we share in common with Unitarians and one of Pentecostals. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons don't agree with that, though. They think that Jesus is a different God than God the Father. So there's at least two and, and, and maybe more. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons agree with the doctrine of the Trinity that the Son, Jesus Christ, existed as someone distinct from the Father before his mortal human life. So they, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, affirm some kind of pre-existence of Christ. Uh, now, they don't understand it the same way that we do, but they agree that Jesus didn't start existing at his human conception and birth. The Unitarians and Oneness Pentecostals, on the other hand, disagree with that. They don't think Jesus pre-existed at all before his uh, human life began. Uh, one of the Pentecostals think Jesus is the human manifestation of God, and so that 
human manifestation didn't exist until he became human. Uh, so uh, they, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons that disagree with the rest of us on how many gods there are, uh, and they get it wrong, they get that wrong, they, they agree with us and get it right about Jesus pre-existing his human life, whereas the Unitarians and the Witness Pentecostals, they get that wrong. So it all depends on who you're talking to. You know, when you, it's kind of interesting. I kind of like to play these groups off one another when I talk to them sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, if I talk to a Jehovah's Witness and they say, oh, you're, you're, you're claiming that there's only one God, that's, and, and that's it, that's, that's a Trinitarian uh, assumption of yours. One is Pentecostals and Unitarians don't accept the Trinity, but they agree with that. So apparently it's not a Trinitarian assumption because these other groups agree with it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and likewise, if uh, if uh, if a Unitarian says, "Oh, you're 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 assuming that Jesus pre-existed uh, his human life because that's that's something taught to you in the doctrine of the Trinity," I say, "No, I know non-Trinitarians that agree with that, like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons." So uh, the fact that I happen to be Trinitarian does not mean that 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 uh, that particular doctrine is is the you know comes out of my bias as a Trinitarian. It just happens to be something that you don't agree with, and other non-Trinitarians do. So let's look at what the Bible actually says about it. There you go. And that's really where I want people to go. I, you know, this isn't about, uh, I, I'm a Trinitarian, so I, I want you to believe in the doctrine of Trinity and its view of Jesus, um, because I'm a sort of partisan to that position. But rather, I want people to say, okay, all of these uh, groups have their views, now uh, how does how does each of these views uh, stack up uh, in comparison with the Bible? That's really where I want people to go. And it, it's interesting to find out that each of these groups is forced to uh, offer some kind of interpretation of biblical texts that differ from one another. And I'll just give you one example. It's a very simple example. And Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Jesus said to go to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And every one of these groups has an interpretation of what that means, and the Trinitarians do too. So our view would be what this means is that Christians are to baptize new disciples in the name of God the Father, the name of God the Son, and the name of God the Holy Spirit. We see all three of those persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as God. Not three gods, but one God. The other uh, Theologies, the other doctrines of Christ, have their own interpretations of Matthew 28, 19. So Unitarians think that G what Jesus meant was that we are to baptize disciples in the name of God, the name of his uh, exalted virgin-born man, uh, Jesus, and in the name of the power of God. I don't know what that means to baptize someone in the name of the power of God. But that's, that's really what they end up having to say Matthew 28, 19 means. Very similarly, Jehovah's Witnesses uh, say that Matthew 28:19 means that we are to baptize people in the name of Jehovah, the Almighty God, uh, his first created angelic son, Michael the Archangel, and his invisible active force. Now, that's, that's not obvious reading Matthew 28:19 that that's what Jesus means there, but that's what Jehovah's Witnesses end up saying that it means. Now, the point is, all of these groups, have an, they have to interpret the Bible. 
And so do we. We all have to interpret it. So there's nothing wrong with interpreting the Bible, and you can't get away from it. The question is, which interpretation actually fits what the text says? Which interpretation is the best explanation for what Matthew 28:19 or John 1:1 or whatever verse you want to look at uh, actually means? Well, you know, um, you know, Dr. Bowman, it, it, it's interesting because. Um, it's always good to know what these other groups uh, teach, but at the same time, uh, as a Christian, you you definitely want to know what you believe and why you believe it, and how you can uh, show biblically uh, the Trinity in the Bible. And so, um, I'm going to open up the phone lines too. If you have any questions and you have any uh, regarding uh, this topic or or any other question, give us a call right now. We have some open lines. One triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We're here with Dr. Robert Bowman filling in for the professor. I do want to say again, make sure you uh, uh, keep Professor Hawkins in your prayers while he's uh, traveling over in India. I uh, definitely want to do that. Uh, I'm going to give that number out again. Again, we have open lines. This show goes as you call in. One triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. It's uh. It's it's funny, uh, uh, Doctor Bowman, how uh, you know, like you talk to these groups and and they they'll you know says, hey, we believe in Jesus, we definitely believe in Jesus, but at the same time, like I said earlier, we gotta we gotta ask some questions. You know, we can't just assume that uh, you know they believe uh, exactly how you believe. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly, and and, and most uh, of these groups use uh, a lot of different uh, biblical uh, terms and names, and, and they will say, yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Holy Spirit, uh, I believe in salvation. Uh, you know, you can go down the list, and in many cases, uh, they use the same word that we would use from the Bible or Christian theology, uh, but they have a different meaning attached to that word. And so there's a language barrier that has to be overcome because they are using the same words that we use, but they mean something very different by it. Uh, famously, in the, uh, uh, the Mormon or Latter-day Saint religion, one of their scriptures is a little text called the Articles of Faith. And uh, Article 1 says uh, something like, we believe in uh, God the Father, Jesus Christ his Son, and in the Holy Ghost. Uh, it sounds like it's affirming the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, and I think that was the intention, by the way. Joseph Smith wrote this as part of a letter uh, that was essentially an attempt to defend uh, Mormonism, uh, the religion that he started. Uh, and uh, so I think he, he wrote that statement, making it sound like they believed basically the same thing that other Christians did. But it turned out that it turns out that's not the case at all. They use those names, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but they have a radically different understanding of who those three persons are and, and you know what it means to believe in them. So it's very important to define terms. It's very important. And, and we don't have to be, uh, you know, uh, mean-spirited about it or uh, unkind about it. But if uh, someone, uh, we are talking with someone like a, a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, and they, they say, I, I, I absolutely believe in Jesus Christ, uh, we don't have to, you know, be uh, 
be uh, negative about it, but we can say, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that. I'd like to know, though, what you believe about Jesus Christ. Who do you think he is? How, what is his relationship with God? And, uh, you know, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What, it, what does it mean to, to believe in him? And so when you ask those kinds of questions, you're helping uh, the discussion become fruitful. You're, you're not trying to just attack the person uh, at all. Uh, but you're trying to have a, an honest discussion with that person where they're uh, being invited to explain what they believe. And right. then when they do that, you can say, well, um, I agree with some of what you said, but some of it I don't. And, you know, then you have a good discussion. Exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, Dr. Boma, thank you so much for that short teaching. But I mean, because can, you can do a whole semester on that topic. And so, uh, so it's a, it's a quick outline, but again, we have this, uh, you know, it's archived and it'll be archived on our radio, uh, on our website, if you want to listen to it. Uh, but right now let's, uh, we're going to go take some phone calls. Okay. We have an open board, you guys, uh, Joe, we're going to get to your call in a second. Uh, but start dialing one triple eight LA talks, one triple eight, five, two, eight, two, five, five, seven, one triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. You can also email us at um, uh, Bible Info Brokers um, or questions at Bible Info Bible Info Brokers dot com. Questions at Bible Info Brokers dot com. All right, right now let's go to the Los Angeles area, and we're going to talk to Joe. Let's get Joe up. Joe, how you doing this day? Hey, pretty good, Brian. Thank you for taking my call, and, and um, uh, I welcome uh, uh, Mr. Bowman to the program in place of, uh, I guess, uh, Craig's out of town as well. Yes, he's uh, he's uh, in India. He'll be there for the next two weeks. So, again, that's, like that's I, out of town. <laughs> yes, like I said, let's uh, let's keep him in in in, uh, in your prayers. So, but your okay, question well, for this evening, well, Joe, uh, Brian, to get to my question, um, I'm actually answering the que- or asking a question for my uh, sister okay and, uh, the question has to do with uh what's god's role in in a situation where say a uh, um a christian family has has been uh, um, uh in a car crash and and they they lose their lives uh it, and they lose their lives tragically what what is God's role in that? Did God make that happen, or or where where is God's role in in that kind of situation? Okay, so so basically, you know, or how and why does God allow uh, uh, bad things to happen to Christians? Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, Doctor Bowman. Well, uh, Joe, uh, thanks for. For calling and thanks for this question. It, uh, I'm just going to say right off, this is not uh, a simple uh, issue. There's a lot that we could talk about in in relation to this, but but mm-hmm. I, I like to I'd like to break it down just a little bit and and see if you find this helpful. First of all, God didn't make the car crash. He didn't uh, you know blow on the car so it would hit another car or hit a light pole or whatever you know. Uh, God mm-hmm. doesn't force. Uh, these things to happen. He doesn't make them happen in that way. Uh, when when bad things happen, or for that matter, when good things happen in our world, uh, they are they happen because of various uh, 
uh, forces and, and actions that are taking place in the world that have real consequences. So mm-hmm. um, if somebody is gets drunk and they get behind the wheel of a car and they drive while they're drunk and they hit somebody else's car and kill people in the car, mm-hmm. uh, that happens because actions have consequences, because choices have consequences. God has mm-hmm. created the world such that when we do things, it matters. Imagine a world in which you could get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car and drive and magically be prevented uh, from ever doing anybody any harm because God would kind of manipulate everything around you uh, so that nobody would get hurt. That sounds Mm. really nice, but then that also means that it doesn't matter whether you get drunk or not. It doesn't matter whether you are irresponsible or not. Nothing that we do matters in a world like that. So God didn't make that kind of world. He made a world in which actions have consequences and choices have consequences. Now, you know, God is not simply, on the other hand, sitting outside the world, kind of shaking his head when people do bad things and and sort of powerless in that situation. Uh, God has a a relationship with the world and with what happens in it uh, that uh, theologians refer to as providence which means that God is in some way uh, that we don't really know how to explain or or comprehend because we're not God, uh, that he is somehow in control of the world and of its history and is bringing things along toward the consummation of history at the end of the age in the way that that he has chosen to, uh, to see it happen. And so when bad things happen... It doesn't throw God's plan off. It doesn't ruin what he's trying to do. Uh, He isn't powerless in that situation. And he has an amazing ability to bring good out of evil. He has an amazing ability uh, to work within those events, even things that are bad, uh, to bring about a greater good. And we see this illustrated in the Bible, for example, with the story of uh, the patriarchs in Genesis, uh, particularly the story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph is uh, betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery, uh, ends up as a slave in Egypt. Uh, At one point, he's in prison, falsely accused of of, uh, an attempted uh, rape or seduction of his master's wife, and he's languishing in prison for years. And he ends up becoming uh, second in the kingdom only to Pharaoh and saving uh, millions of people's lives in a famine, including that of his own family. And at the end of the book of Genesis, uh, Joseph says to his brothers, you meant what you did for evil, but God meant it for good. So this is something that God is able to do. God is able to use Uh, what happens in our world in such a way that it brings about a greater good. That doesn't mean he made those things happen. Uh, God didn't make Joseph's brothers do that bad thing. Uh, But it means that God is able to work in and through history to bring about his uh, purposes. I I don't... Mm -hmm. I'm not answering your question in in an easy way. I'm I'm not saying that we understand this all. But I, let me just ask you if you find this at all helpful. Uh, yeah, it was uh, well said, and, and it, it did. Uh, in, in my part, it, it, it clarified some 
some uh I, I don't know if I take confusion but but maybe some uh some thoughts I was well, yeah, well maybe uh confused thoughts that I had on, on my own part. But I hope my sister got uh her uh you know, her answers uh from your explanation as as uh, a bit biblical explanation I should say. So, uh, well, well, and well I, and I want, uh, I want to make I want to make this clear, Joe, that that uh, when we talk about the fact that you know our actions have consequences and God isn't making these things happen, uh, mm. God does care. Uh, many times, bad things happen to us, and we wish God would have intervened and stopped them. And uh, as I said, if God made the world so in such a way that our actions never had any consequences, that would not be it wouldn't be this world at all, and, and, and it wouldn't be really worth living in, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, that doesn't mean God doesn't care. He does care, uh, and there are spiritual uh, ways in which God ministers to, loves, uh, strengthens, and helps people who turn to him in these times. So when something bad happens to you or to somebody that you care about, you uh, you, God is someone that you can turn to, not because you're turning to him with the hope that he's going to make bad things not happen or make it go away, but that he is going to provide spiritual strength and wisdom and insight and an ability to, to live in this world even when bad things do happen. Mm, okay. Well, well, well said, uh, Dr. Bowman, and I really appreciate your, your, your time and, and uh, the explanation to this. So uh, thank you guys, and, and thank you again, Brian, for taking my call. Hey, Joe, before you go, there's a there's a good book out by Dr. James Dobson. Now, by all means, he's not a theologian, uh, but mm-hmm. he, he is, this book is he does a really good job. It's called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And so um, if you get a chance, if you want to, uh, you can uh, take a look at this book, but he, it's, it's, it's very, very good. So um, it's okay. called When God Doesn't Make Sense. All right. right okay. That great. Thank you for that reference. Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. You do God the bless. same. God bless. All right. You are listening to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen with Dr. Robert Bowman Jr. Now you guys have had these phones lit up for you gosh three four weeks now. And where are you? If you have an open, honest Bible questions, give us a call. We do have some open lines right now. One triple eight L A talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Once again, one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Please do not uh, wait till the very end of the show to call in, and uh, because there's a good chance you're not going to get on the air. Uh, but right now we do have some open lines that are available. One triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Again. If you have a question, Bible questions, and believe me, if you are reading your Bible, you will have a question. Or as I said earlier, if you heard something in church today, if you heard something in a Bible study, if you uh, absolutely had talked to, say, a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon or uh, uh, someone from the Islamic faith, uh, and, and there's a question, give us a call. That's why we're here. One triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Let's get these phone lines lit up. I know you guys have questions out there. Um, right now, we're going to go to the Whittier area, and we're going to talk to Linda. Linda, welcome to the broadcast. How are you doing, Linda? Linda, are you there? 
Okay. What we will do is I'm going to put... Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. There you are, Linda. How you doing? Fine. Thank you. Thank you for this forum, and thank you for accepting my call. No problem at all. Your question for this evening. Well, I understand the, the uh, Godhead to be what I prefer to call triune. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand the Father to be named Yahuwah and the Son to be named Yeshua, and I believe that that is the name that is above all names. And I believe His Holy Spirit is not the Holy Ghost, but indeed the Holy Spirit, their Holy Spirit. And uh, I just wonder, uh, because the name has been taken out, the holy names have been taken out, of our Bible as we know it, and replaced with God and Lord in capital letters, which are their titles uh, and um, and not their names. Um, I believe that they should be they shouldn't have been replaced with Greek transliterations, uh, because I believe transliteration is not necessary since they were clearly able to write Joshua, so that they could at least get that close to Yeshua. And so we, we read so many times in the Bible that there is power in the name and that it is the name above all names and that we should call upon the name and we should do uh, mighty works in his name. And that in these latter days, uh, these late, uh, this, at this time, that my people shall know my name, why do we not get back to using the name? Why do we not insist that it's put back into our Bibles? And why are people erroneously calling him Jesus? That's well, that's the really, that, that's really uh, yes. If I'm this is uh, Robert Bowman. I, I'd love to answer that question. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, yeah, sure, no, no problem. And I'm I'm glad you called in with the question. Very good question. Uh, I understand the, go ahead, Brian. No, this is a very good question. I, I understand, you know, you, you obviously hold to this view very strongly, and, and uh, I, I'm not going to try to uh, sort of argue you out of it, but uh, I would like to respond and explain why we view this matter differently. Uh, we take uh, the New Testament as it has uh, come down to us as the Word of God. It is written, uh, the, the 27 books of the New Testament were all originally written in Greek, uh, and we have uh, good, reliable, numerous uh, re- reliable copies of the New Testament in Greek. Uh, the texts that refer to uh, Yeshua uh, in uh, Greek in the New Testament uh, call him Jesus. Uh, that is the Greek form uh, for the name Yeshua or Joshua. Uh, the New Testament doesn't seem at all concerned about getting the form or spelling or pronunciation of the name correct. Uh, there's never any concern whatsoever about that. The New Testament uh, refers to uh, Theos, uh, God, uh, is how we translate it in English, but the Greek word is Theos, uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of times. It never it never uses the name Yahweh or you know, however you want to pronounce uh, the the tetragrammaton that's in Hebrew in the Old Testament. It never uses that name. It does use the shortened form Yah four times in Revelation 19, verses 1 to 6, in the expression Hallelujah, which is Hebrew for praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. 
but that's it. Uh, there's uh, there's no reference to Yahweh anywhere in the Greek New Testament. Uh, because it was removed. It was removed, but it, but but it was transliterated uh, and it was translated from the Latin originally. What was translated transliterated from the Latin? It, it was transliterated into the Greek from the Latin, is wasn't it? Uh, uh, what was? The New, the, Testament? Old, the, New, the New Testament. No, it was... No, it, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. It was in Greek. And it was later translated oh, okay. into... Yeah. So okay, what about it, the Old Testament? The, the Old Testament was originally... Most of it uh, was originally written in Hebrew. There are portions of it in Aramaic, uh, but very small portions, mainly in Daniel and, uh, uh, and Ezra, but most of it in, in Aramaic, very similar to Hebrew. Um so most of it was written in Hebrew, and then it was also translated, even before the time of Jesus, into Greek. And the New Testament writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, etc., they quote from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, uh, in Greek. They very often quote it directly from the Greek translation of that we call the Septuagint, Sometimes they don't quote directly from the Septuagint. Sometimes they uh, paraphrase it, or they quote. Uh, they they apparently know the Hebrew text, but they're translating it into, literally into Greek. Uh, so there are no rules there. They they didn't have to use. They didn't have to quote it in Hebrew. They didn't have to quote it literally. Uh, they could use the Greek translation called, which we call the Septuagint. Uh, and so uh, they they. You know, and again, the New Testament writers didn't use the name Yahweh. Uh, I believe, it, I believe it was removed about 3,600 times and replaced with capital G-O-D and capital L-O-R-D. Well, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew text uses the name Yahweh thousands of times. Right. And the, uh, the uh, modern Bible in English and in many other languages, uh, very commonly in various editions or translations of the Old Testament, use uh, they use Lord in place of the name Yahweh. Now, you have something of a case that you can make that it would be better to translate the Old Testament uh, using some form of the divine name like Yahweh or even Jehovah, which you do find four times in the King James Version, and you find it used consistently in the American Standard Version of 1901, uh, you could make a case that, uh, you know, we, in our translation of the Old Testament, we should use the name Jehovah or Yahweh in translating the Old Testament. That, that would be a legitimate, you know, discussion, because there's a basis for it. There's what no about, basis for it whatsoever about, in the New Testament. What about that question about Joshua? If they were able to write Joshua, why weren't they able to, to write Joshua for Yeshua? Well, they could, but... Uh, didn't? Why, they, why didn't they, or wouldn't they? Well, because, they, because, because the, the name for Mary's son in the New Testament, uh, whom we know as, as uh, Jesus, in, it, in the Greek New Testament is Jesus, and the English form of that is Jesus. Just, you know, think about it this way. Different name, you know, this, a person's name will often look and sound very different in different languages. For example, George in English 
would be uh, Georg in German. It would be Jorge in Spanish. Well, Joshua is the same. Joshua is the same as Joshua. Joshua is Joshua. Actually, Joshua isn't the correct... But see, Joshua isn't the correct pronunciation of of that name either, because that name isn't Joshua, it's it's Yahashua. Well, okay. So it's, it's the Yash- right number of syllables, and it starts with a J instead of a Y sound. But I don't think it matters. I don't think Joshua will be offended if we beat him and we call him Joshua. He's not going to say, that's not my name. And likewise, I don't think uh, Jesus is offended if we use the name Jesus rather than Yeshua or Yahashua, because it, it doesn't matter. Just like I'm not offended if somebody calls me Robert, uh, or Roberto, I'm not offended. What, what if we do know better, though? What if we do know better and and we and we learn better? Then shouldn't we, or don't we, have an obligation to return it to as close as we can get it to the original? Well, that that is that, respect, that, is, based on, that is based on an assumption to glorify yeah, him, to honor him. But I'm, yeah. Okay. Look, look, I don't. Want, I think we're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. But because uh, especially as I'm watching the clock, I know we're coming up to the near the end at the top of the hour. But I'm not going to try to argue you out of it. But I do want to say the reason why we don't need to worry about that is because the Bible never makes an issue out of it. The Bible never makes an issue about getting the pronunciation or the spelling of God's name just right. It just doesn't make an issue out of it. So My since our our belief is based on we, we take what the Bible says to be important to be important and what the Bible ignores as unimportant to be unimportant. <laughs> so if the Bible makes a really big issue about knowing who the right person is that saves us, but not uh-huh. makes an issue out of how to say his name, that's where we're going to come down. I see. Uh, the, the early Jew, or the early Christians were Jews, right? So I'm yeah. thinking that maybe maybe they're uh, the same the same fear that they have today uh, in regard to saying the name or using it inappropriately or incorrectly. Maybe that fear has has translated this way, or maybe it no, has that, carried through. That would this be way. that would be very anachronistic. Nobody in the New Testament is avoiding the use of a name. That's okay. the difference between some Orthodox Jews today and the Jewish Christian writers of the New Testament. They never had that concern. I see. Hey, Linda. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have to leave it at that, I think. Thank you okay. so much for your call, Linda. Very, Appreciate very it. Very interesting topic, and thanks for calling with it. Thank you. Okay, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen with Dr. Robert Bowman, Jr., the toll-free number is one triple eight LA one triple eight LA talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. You can also email us at questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. Questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. We are coming up to a break in uh, just about two or three minutes. So let's do this. We're going to get um, Christie's uh, question out there, and then we will put her on hold, and then. Uh, uh, take our break and come back with that. So, uh, Christy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Christy, are you there? 
Yeah, yeah. Hi, sorry. I <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not very good in in talking, so forgive me. Okay, if I go back and forth. You sa- you so, sound good right now. So we're, what we're going to do, Christy? We're going to take your call, your question, and then I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to take our top of the hour break, and then we'll give you uh, we'll we'll come back at the end of the break. Okay. Okay. So your question is. <laughs> well, that's a problem. I was listening so intently to this lady, I forgot mine, but. Um, uh, it's basically uh, what this uh, man that called in, because uh, I had two questions, but it's what this uh, man called in about, because um, I had a loss in my life, and, uh, you know, like, God doesn't, um, you know, cause these things to happen, these tragedies. So what I want to ask is, um, you know, there's some verses in the Bible that says, I'll, you know, I'll save who I want to save, or... Or, you know, don't tell me who I can uh, help and who I cannot help because I am God. So that's basically one of my questions is like, um, if he wanted to intervene, uh, not maybe in my life, but he might intervene in someone else's life, maybe to save him from cancer, but he's not going to save the other child. So that's basically what I, um, you know, he he has that power, right? Um yeah, there's nothing God can't do. But what we want to do, uh, Christy, is uh, I'm going to put you on hold right now because we're sure. coming up okay. to the top of our break. But don't go anywhere. And uh, when we come back from the uh, other side of the break, we will uh, delve into your question. Okay? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming up to the top of the hour break. I do want to give you the phone number. We do have a couple lines open. one la talks one 528 la talks one 528 We have um, Dr. Robert Bowman Jr. Uh, with us uh, this evening and for next week as well. Uh, as you know, the professor is in India. Uh, he's out doing some missionary work, uh, training the trainers. And so what um, definitely would like our listening audience to do is to uh, pray for the professor. And I do want to thank you again for all the donations that you guys made uh, to help uh, this trip possible so um, the professor can get some literature out to um, to where he is. And uh, again, that was really, really, really a blessing to him. Okay, one more time. One triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Again, our special guest, Dr. Robert Bowman Jr. My name is Brian Allen. We'll be back right after these messages. 